Welcome to the Crystal Sparks Podcast. We are so glad you are here. Our one goal of this podcast is to grow your faith and help equip you to accomplish your dreams and your goals. Now here's Crystal Sparks. So hey, today I want to talk to you about 1 Timothy 6.12 tells us that we might fight the good fight of faith. And so a good fight, we could assume that there's also a bad fight of faith. And I believe that just as in training for a half marathon, there were certain things that I knew were going to be the enemy to me completing it. The conditioning, the preparation that I had in the process determined whether or not I was going to finish when it came time for race day. And I want to tell you that the same is true in your faith journey, that there are things that are going to try to hold you back from accomplishing all that God has for us. Because here's the thing, is that if this faith journey was easy, then everybody would be doing it. If it was easy to accomplish the good things that God has promised us, then we would all come to the place where we see the true fulfillment of God's plan for our life. But the truth is, I believe that there's three enemies of great faith. And we're going to talk about those today. And I really believe that it's going to encourage you. So the first one, if you're taking notes, I hope you write this down, is invisibility. Oh my goodness. This one is such a big deal. So there's always a time where your dream seems hidden. And let's just be honest, where you feel hidden. Where you're being faithful in the process. Where you're doing what God's called you to do. But you almost feel like nobody even cares. That you're completely invisible. I remember when God called me to preach... I started doing women's events and um, I was a church in East Texas and we were on 20 acres and we weren't a big church by any means. We were about 200 people and I had big dreams in my heart for what God was going to do. I'd put on these big women's events. I'd work super hard to try to get all the details together and in my mind, I saw hundreds of women. In my mind and in my heart, I saw big, huge arenas full of women. I saw me speaking on the stage with Lisa Bevere and Joyce Meyer and Christine Kane. I saw that in my heart. So I would have our first events and I'd be speaking and y'all, it'd be 40 people show up. I remember our lowest night was 25 people and I cried the whole way home. I had this big dream in my heart. I was believing God for great things. Well, fast forward a few years. I'm speaking at a conference and Lisa Bevere is there. And she asked me this question. She said, where have you been? You're, you're just so great. I love what God's doing in your life. Like, where have you been? And I told her, I said, I've been in a place where I was hidden. I felt invisible. And it was so hidden and it was a place that was nobody wanted to be there. And I know that for a fact because I invited you to come speak and you didn't come. And she laughed and I laughed. But the truth is, those years of that process of doing those women's events, for 40 people, 25 people, I felt so invisible. I felt so hidden. But the truth is that God was preparing me for the stages that I'm on now. God was preparing me to speak with Lisa Bevere. God was preparing me for last year when we had over 950 women register for our big sisterhood event. See, God was preparing me in that hidden place. I want you to think about when a seed goes to the ground, it doesn't produce fruit overnight. It's what's happening under the surface. While nobody sees what's happening underneath, the roots are growing, the seed is expanding, it's breaking forth, it's getting ready to shoot forth from the ground. See, every 
everybody celebrates when the tree is big and has lots of fruit, but nobody saw the process underneath. And let me just tell you, one of the biggest enemies to great faith is the hidden seasons. David did it in a field. Even Paul, after he got um, delivered and saved by God, he went through a hidden season where he stayed behind with some of the apostles. The Bible tells us in Acts that he stayed there and learned the apostles' teaching. If you study the scripture out, some would say that he was there for over three years. So here's the thing, is that when God speaks a thing, the next thing that'll happen is often we'll go through a time of invisibility. The next enemy to great faith is insignificance. This is where the beginnings feel small. It's kind of similar to invisibility, but the difference in this one on insignificance is it seems so tiny. How can God do something so big with something so small? See, God always operates contrary to logic. When he wants to do something great, he always starts with something small. Think about how silly it must have seemed to the disciples when Jesus was speaking to them and he was letting them know that they were going to change the world. Twelve people were going to change the world. That's an awful small beginning for a really big impact. But Jesus knew that he loves to start with small things. In Zechariah 4.10 in the NLT, it says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. See, I think that oftentimes we despise what God rejoices in. We think it's a small thing, but God's calling it a big thing. See, in those insignificant times in our life, we forget the bigness of what God's doing. I was reading a book recently called Shoe Dog, and it's about the beginning of Nike. And what's so interesting is, is that Nike started with a $1,000 loan from a family member. $1,000? Oh my goodness, how many of you would invest in Nike now if you had the opportunity to invest in the beginning with $1,000? But here's the thing, is that family member that sewed that $1,000, that gave it as a loan, they had no idea the bigness of what Nike was going to become. See, small things create big destinies. In 1923, in a one-car garage, there was a film that was made. These two brothers got together and they had decided that they wanted to create a film, so they did it out of their one-car garage in California. Those two brothers were Disney brothers, and Walt Disney went on to create what's so so huge now today, but it all began in a one-car garage. And what's interesting is Disneyland is just 45 minutes away from where it all began in that one-car garage. See, Walt had no idea the bigness of what was going to happen. He had no idea that people would travel from all over the world, that there'd be locations in other continents, that God was going to do something so amazing. He was just faithful in that one car garage with the dream that God's placed on him. Don't let what you don't have keep you from starting. Here's the thing is what you have is all you need to get started. So many times we look at what we have in our hand and we think, well, if I had more money, if I had more influence, If I had more fill in the blank, then I would start. The truth is, God's not asking what you don't have. He's asking, what are you going to do with what you do have? When God spoke to Moses about delivering Israel, he said, Lord, how are they to know that it's you that sent me? He said, what do you have in your hand? And Moses said, a rod. And that rod was the most common, ordinary thing that he had ever had. It was part of his everyday task. It was part of his everyday life. And God used that small, insignificant thing to do great and mighty miracles. 
Here's the thing, friend. God can use the computer that you have to start the business. You can start your business from your iPhone. You can just begin to shoot videos. You can begin to put in the application. You can go back to school with your free time. Whatever you have, don't look at it with the insignificance. Don't despise what God rejoices in. Remember our scripture, Zechariah? He rejoices when a thing begins. All right, the third enemy to great faith. Are you getting something out of this? All right. Is intimidation. I feel encouraged right now. Okay, intimidation. The enemy can't take away what God has promised you, but he can make you surrender it. And so this is what will happen is we go through the season of invisibility. We go through the season of insignificance. And then the next season that we go into is intimidation. The enemy of our great faith is intimidation. We begin to shrink back from what God has. And the truth is we begin to look at the bigness of our enemy and we forget that about the bigness of our God. See, when David was there, he had gone through the invisible season of the field. He had felt insignificant as he looked down at just a slingshot and a few rocks. And then intimidation of this big giant standing before him. Here he is, a teenage boy, unskilled, untrained for war. And he's standing before the greatest enemy that Israel had had seen up until that point. And the truth is, the enemy wants you to undervalue and to disqualify yourself. He wants to make himself seem big and your value seem small. That's why a lot of times we say things like, I'm only a stay-at-home mom. I just have a small startup. It's just a side hustle. But the truth is what you're saying in those moments is I'm intimidated by the bigness of my enemy. When you learn how much you are worth, you will stop taking discounts from other people. Here's the thing is that you are too valuable. Your destiny is too great to undersell yourself. The other day, a little boy was texting my daughter and y'all, I was like mama bear. And he said this, I think I kind of like you. And I told her, I'm like, Braley, you are too valuable. Your destiny is too great for anybody to be kind of about you. Because the truth is the enemy wants to intimidate you that you're just not quite enough. And the truth is that you're worth it all. When you start realizing how valuable you are, you'll stop settling for discounts. You'll quit putting yourself on clearance. You'll stop taking, oh, well, this is just good enough. And you'll start rising up to the occasion and take what you're really worth. I heard a story recently about an expensive painting that was sold at a garage sale for $2. And that painting turned out to be a Picasso painting worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. I heard another story about a ceramic bowl that was sold at a garage sale for $3. And are y'all ready for this? That ceramic bowl was amazing in its historical value. And it went on auction and it sold for $2.2 million. I began to think about how much of our life do we spend discounting ourselves, putting ourselves on clearance, when the truth is we have a valuable that's beyond measure. You have a value that is so big, that's so great. Quit putting yourself on clearance and start rising up to the occasion. Don't let the enemy intimidate you out of your value. You're worth more than you know. Thank you so much for listening to today's content. If you would like to further connect with Crystal, text the keyword CRYSTAL to 33733 and follow the prompts. We are so thankful you are a part of our community. Let's do something awesome for God this week.